life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. I'm realizing as you and I do this as often as we do, mm-hmm. and for as long as we have, yes. with many people listening over time, we're creating a lot of shorthand. We're creating a lot of little things that are just kind of known, like TDC has become one. Yes, Track Daily Crush. we got a million of those questions are coming up. <laughs> it, it, it plays back to our proclivities, which is one from the dawn of the podcast. Okay, <laughs> I have one. I don't know that I'm actually going to return to this term, but I thought of it this evening and I because of looking at the car debates, and I thought I might return to it again. It's maturity and madness. I have maturity choices and madness choices okay. for our first car debate, which is coming up for Tom in in Sheffield, UK, which is awesome. This is the international podcast tonight, actually. It is. I put it together. Do yeah. you like that? You also have Steen from the Netherlands. He's writing in with a twist because it's, guys, should I sell a car? Every Yeah, this is very rare. As a matter of yeah, fact, for we sure. always do buying advice. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's why you're listening. Yeah, we're always hopefully. choosing what car. Hey, Todd and Paul, what car mm-hmm. should I buy? Mm-hmm. This is... Hey, guys, what should I sell? This is very interesting, and I'm looking this forward to this. first world problem out of the Netherlands. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> We've got a lot of questions coming up as well, including many, many Track Daily Crush questions, which I have to, I have to give my own personal um, – what's, what's the word I'm looking for here? Disclaimer, I guess, okay. on Track Daily Crush. I don't really think about them prior. I just know they're there, and I kind of copy-paste them over to, co- to cover them later, and then I don't think about you them until they're right staring in. right in Cold. front of me. And so sometimes they'll go shoot from the hip, but I may be wrong. So, uh, you know, is there something that you're thinking about in the past that you were wrong on that you would like to change? Well, yes, I would. I would keep the RX-7 and crush the Supra. Yeah, I I, I think I think I'd do that on reflection. See, we can give ourselves a mulligan. That's okay. My life is full of do overs anyway. So let's let's keep moving on. Shall we cover the the car debate for Tom here? Yeah, we should. We figured we'd dive right in because, uh, yeah, there's some news going on. We could talk about what. But because there's so many questions at the back end. Why don't we just go ahead and dive right in? For sure. By the way, I did call out Tommy Kendall's Olds Chicken, Chicken Olds, Chicken Car. Yeah. If you haven't seen it on Instagram, yeah, yeah. very funny, really cool. Tommy Kendall's the man. Anyway, yeah, check that out. He responded as well. Yeah, he did. That was kind of nice. Speaking um, of random bits of news, Elon Musk has decided to make uh, flamethrowers. I, I, don't, I don't understand. Yes. I don't which, understand. Yeah. Is it anyway, just a blowtorch yeah. or is it actually know. a flamethrower? I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't really matter. It just makes We could dice that one really thinly, too. All right, so let's get right into the debate, starting with Tom. He is in Sheffield, UK, mm-hmm. writing with the ultimate do-it-all. Yeah. He's got a great list of stuff that he's thinking about, but you've got to hear his story, too. So he's 23. He's always been a car nut since he was a kid, mm-hmm. of course, driving everyone mad. Isn't that all of us were driving everybody around us mad? Kind of insane, With all yes, of our discussion, yep. and what should I mm-hmm. buy next? So you've written to the right place. We are happy to help. We're uh, Tom, we're really thrilled you wrote in. So his car history... Starting out with the 2002 Fiat Punto 1.2. The 1.2. The 1.2. Ooh, the 1.2. <laughs> he says, a grand yeah. total of 64 horsepower on a good day. Is that, you know, downhill with a tailwind? Probably. And, yeah. you pushed off a cliff? Absolutely. With the, with the, the, air's, a, the, air's, a little, the air's a little bit cool. You know, that's, that's a good day. There's no traffic. Somebody gave you a bump at the top of the hill. All of exactly. these things. 64 horsepower. Love tap. And he also had an 09 Alfa Romeo Mito Turbo. I've seen these when we go to Germany. I mm-hmm. see these, and I think they're so cool. You do? I think, they're, I think they're catastrophically ugly. That's do just you? My I think opinion. maybe it's just because we don't get them in the U.S. Maybe, maybe. That I think, oh, hey, another cool model that it looks like it has potential, but I guess it doesn't because he said it was quickish. Mm-hmm. Quickish, There's yeah. quick and there's ish. Yeah. This is right in between. Hatchish, Handley, and Quickish? Yes. Okay, moving on. Yeah, I guess sorry. this is more towards the ish. The, the Fiat Punto is more towards ish. It's not. Quick. No, it's not quick. It, let's just take that word right out. <laughs> it's just ish. Exactly. Anyway. Exactly. So this had the 500 Abart engine, mm-hmm. 1.4 turbo engine. Yeah. And uh, he did some great trips in this car, Wales twice, mm-hmm. and Scotland's north coast. Holy moly. He said this really this taught me how to drive. Yeah. Even though the Alpha wasn't dynamically the best, Tom, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I like looking at the car, and I, th- I have high hopes for it. Yeah. Don't tell me it stinks. I, I feel, uh, Look, I'm going to go on my private uh, rant here, and that is the fact – not so private. But anyway, the, the fact <laughs> this that is this – is a pretty much a public This forum. is a public rant. You're yeah, right. Yes, that's true. Really not uh, so People are yelling back, including Tom, now that I'm going to insult <laughs> exactly. this car. But I just – here's the thing. Alpha has such a history of, wow, that's a gorgeous car. Wow, that's a gorgeous car. Then that one shows up like, wow, you missed one. You really missed really? that one. I, I don't it. like it at all. I'm My head – 
snaps when I see these things. Maybe it's just the high hopes. It's the anticipation. Maybe. Maybe it should just be You and I do not agree here because I just always look at things. Oh, what happened there? Hey, look, an alpha-ish. Whatever. What happened there? Anyway, so that was the history. Yeah, you're right. Currently drives an 05 uh, Toyota MR2 Roadster. Cool. That's very cool. Yeah. And it got him into rear-wheel drive sports cars. It ha- he now has a convertible experience. He's just kind of amazed by this car. It has transformed his perception of driving because, let's be honest, first rear-wheel drive, mid-engine, come on. There's a lot of stuff going on there. He and his buddies are about to do a, well, I mean, this this uh, spring, late spring, they're going to do yeah. a nine-day what country today kind of road tour, top gear style as he describes it, all over France, Belgium, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, Italy. He's even asked us for recommendations on the spa and the ring, uh, roads around there. There are many around there, uh, but you have to just kind of go off the Autobahn. Go on the Autobahn for a while, go super fast, go <laughs> off the Autobahn, and just try to get lost. Take the asphalt and yes. um, you know, find Asf- yourself Asf- a piece Asf- of spaghetti. Asf- your way to, on, there's a street. Uh, yeah, exactly. On a mountain road. It's amazing. If you look at our, uh, our pilgrimage wrap-up piece from this year, You'd love to think we took this massively guided tour. Paul and I were just going, that road looks cool. And it was great. We just drove around for a couple hours. And I kept had, fighting with uh, you know Google Maps. Had, had, we had a fantastic time. Turn left. Now I'm going to turn right. It looks better this way. Yeah, exactly. You, you think left because that's the destination. <laughs> right looks like a better road. That works out really well. But he's going to do that. Doesn't want to do it in the MR2 which is the number one reason we're shopping. Yes. So he is looking at spending a maximum of 15,000 pounds, mm-hmm. which means the car that he buys will have to be something he keeps for a longer period than he ever has before. Okay. So he and his girlfriend are taking that into consideration. Hello, Tom's girlfriend. Yep. Glad to have you listening. Hope you guys are having a lot of fun listening because this has to be reasonably practical, comfortable, and not cost the earth to run, mm-hmm. which might take my sniper shot right out of the equation, but <laughs> I do have, well, I've got one car to think about because it's not on his list, and I okay, wonder why good, it's not on his list. Good, good, excellent. However, I have the car for him, I think. Good for you. Excellent. I love it. All right, so no real preference on drivetrain layout, even though the MR2 is, of course, informing our choices, as is our your list, because yeah, sure. real-world drive, convertible, somewhat modern, mm-hmm. can't cost you know all the money on the planet yeah, to maintain. Yeah, yeah. So he's thinking rear-wheel drive. He likes rear-wheel drive now, low center of gravity, all-around car. This is kind of the all-around car because of the fun drives you described, the road trips. And he's also hoping he can get on track Mm -hmm. with whatever he buys. And the MR2, I mean, he's realized, he's loved it, but he's realized this is not an overly usable car. Of course it's not. So we need that kind (laughs) of usability back while still having fun. He's made a great list of possibles. Some I like, some I don't. And then I added a couple that are – the the possibles, I kind of picked the ones out of his possible list that I said these are good mature choices, at least mature for car guys. Are you going to be mature on this podcast? Then I had two that are sheer madness. I'll be wild and crazy. Yeah, it's going to be nuts. Yeah. All right. So the cars he's earmarked are, of course, the GT86. BRZ, Mm -hmm. yes. Toyota GT86 has got to be on your list. Focus ST. I mean, mm-hmm. this this is reading like the everyday driver greatest hits cars. To some degree. Tom has driven the 208 GTI Peugeot. Mm-hmm. Peugeot, Peugeot Sport. Sport version, yep. He's driven that, so look at his review on that. And, of course, we have driven the Megane 265 RS many years now yep. in a row on the ring and yep. on the road tour. Yeah, both, both. Yep. We've driven the RSR track prepped version, so mm-hmm. a little bit hotter, full cage. You know, the belts are <clears throat> really cranked down on you in that car. <laughs> The Mini Cooper S, he's also got the John Cooper Works Edition uh, on his list here. Mm-hmm. Golf GTI, of course, the Mark VI, sixth generation. BMW 1 Series and Audi TTS. Yeah, yeah. So what cars were you pulling out of here that uh, that struck you? Well, I, he, look, he's, he's listed eight, and I picked four that I wanted to mention. Right as we're talking through, I want to add, add a fifth one of them. That, that's the GTI. Here's my question for you, actually, Tom. 15,000 pounds. Mm-hmm. Every time I look at used cars in Britain, which I do, I have I have a deep disease. Plus, this, this show uh, leads <laughs> As to it. As one does. But yeah, exactly. Because why would I do that? Why, why, why am I shopping for right-hand drive on a continent I don't live on? Perfect, perfect. <laughs> An island I'll never visit. It's perfect. Actually, my sister lives there. I do visit. But that's a side note. I mean, I um, spent time there, so. Yes, exactly. So, But here's the thing. 15,000 pounds buys you a lot of used car in Britain. Well, yeah. yeah. So my question is, why the Mark VI GTI? I'm sh- pretty sure you can get a 7 for that kind of money. Can you get a GTI? Yeah, I would think you can. Based on some of the other things I found, I think that's probably possible. I'm okay. just bringing it up. So the thing I don't know, this is my big caveat to this whole discussion for Tom. At 23, I don't know the, the British uh, like taxing and insurance market, okay? 
I don't know where the line is where things get less expensive. I mean, you don't start driving until 18, but when does the madness stop as far as what they charge you on insurance? 18 in Britain? Yeah. Really? And so what's the what's the consideration? I think it's still 18. What's the consideration for uh, insurance here? Which cars that I'm thinking of might be out for insurance? That's why I've got my two madness cars I want to bring up. But other ones you've mentioned. Look, I think the 86 is a real front runner for you. For And I hate to just run to that car, but you've brought it up and it works. You want rear-wheel drive, light, low center of gravity. Does all those things. It's also affordable mm-hmm. and yeah. fairly cheap to insure. Has pretty good gas mileage. I don't didn't get good gas mileage in in, the, in altitude, but in England you're probably going to get really good gas mileage. Most people that ri- drive it like commute drive it down at sea level get great gas mileage. So it works for that. Fold down rear seat, back seats if you need them. Surprisingly good trunk space. I think it's a real front runner here, especially off of your list. I like the Focus ST, except I think it loses to the next two on the list. Mm-hmm. You've got the Peugeot 208 GTI by Peugeot Sport. Tom loved that car. Yeah, he did. In some ways, he liked it better than the Fiesta ST that we go on and on about. Yeah. He had kind of a, yeah. well, you get this, but you lose that kind of discussion with us at length about the Fiesta ST versus that car. So I think the 208 GTI, it's it's a really great little hot hatch. I love that scale of hot hatch. Again, we're talking about the Fiesta ST size. I love that. I think it's a real contender. Honestly, in front-wheel drive hatches that are of a decent size, for me, the Renault Megane 265 RS rules all. Nobody really? else gets to come to play. Really? The Mini's out, the GTI's out, the, the Audi TT's out. They all lose to that car. I Let's hear it for the French. I mean, it's look, every time we drive it, we're impressed. Every it, single we time yeah, we drive it. We don't get it here. Watch, look, look, walk away from us for a minute. Watch like... Uh, I know Auto Trader UK and others have done like reviews of like all the hot hatches they get in England. That's always one of the top two. Always, yeah, it's an impressive car. So I think I, I think that Magan. If you're gonna go front wheel drive hatch, I think that's right at the top of the list. I think the '86 is a great one. And I'm leaving maturity for madness, but I want you to, to jump in here and I'll come <laughs> back to my madness. Okay, you know how we were talking about rear wheel drive convertible sports cars. Yeah, Tom, why is the Honda S2000 not on this list? And for those of you who are ripping out chunks of upholstery and headliner out of your car, waiting for me to say that, good news, it's I awesome. just did. It's awesome, except for it's gotta be usability. On the list. He well, doesn't gain any usability over where he's got right now. Yeah, caution to the wind, though. I'm, I'm saying, you know, usability is, is less Otherwise, so awesome, I'll give that to you. he's 23. Sure. So, okay, it's got to have a little bit more space than that MR2. That MR2, you can't fit an ice cube in anywhere. It actually makes the trunk of the S2000 look spacious. I agree with that. I mean, but still, you can get you know a weekend duffel, whatever. However, you measure space nowadays. With I mean, how many? <laughs> yeah, I hear I, you. I could go off <laughs> on that a little bit. Easy, easy. I, I'm gonna restrain myself and say I like it on the list, but that isn't my crazy. Why don't you go look at this car? Because why not? Yeah, okay. So here it is. This is my sniper shot. This is the car. Really? Okay. Tom, right, I'd good. like your other choices here, too. I'm not going to say no. And the the 265 RS is great. Mm-hmm. But what about a 2007 Mercedes-Benz SLK 55 AMG? Oh, my gosh. In what the, on earth? Are you, where did you go? 2004 to 2010 model years. This is the R171 yeah. car. And even though the AMG and Mercedes cars do not come with a manual transmission in the States, they do in Europe. Yeah. And I'm guessing, this is, I haven't dove, I haven't dove wow. too far okay. into All it right. here. All right. But I'm wondering, could you find a right-hand drive manual transmission SLK55? Is that the convertible hardtop? My vision yes, is Yes, it right? is. Okay. Yeah. And it wasn't the first gen. I was yeah. actually in Germany with an, another uh, guy that I knew. He borrowed a friend's first gen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. SLK 55 that we took on the Autobahn. I was pretty impressed with this car. Yeah. Now, it is going to be heavier than some of the cars that are on your list, but it's the kind of the forgotten, <laughs> hey, rear-wheel drive. Yeah, and, okay. I see where you got there. You know, yeah. Hard-top convertible, still a convertible front engine. If you can get the manual, I can get one for 15,000 pounds in the UK. I'm... I'm just wondering. This is my... Huh. I'm out there. I'm, you are out there. There's a lot of things wrong. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons to say no to this car. I bet you we can come up with a laundry list of them. <laughs> but I just dig this car for 
road tour use and track and convertible hardtop and quiet and nice and yeah. comfortable. And then it's still mm. got a pretty nuts engine in that thing. I'm just asking. It's like Mercedes yeah. does the okay. S2000. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, okay. It's I, a little I, bit bigger. I'll kind of heavier. I know. There's a lot of things wrong with it. Hard top. I, it's got, in the world of convertibles, we're heading toward usability. I see where yes. you are. I see yes. where you are. I'm just, yes. I'm, I'm leaving that behind a little bit more, <laughs> even though you could come back to any of the ones in your list here. I like them. But what about the SLK 55? Wow. You you may be in more into madness than me tonight. I do have two that I wanted to mention for okay. madness, but you may be even farther into madness. There's than a I guy am. here in my neighborhood who is obsessed. Whenever he sees my Cayman and I'm at the mailbox or I roll by, he runs out and he wants to talk about all about SLKs, and he claimed that they're the lowest car ever made and on and on absurd, outrageous stuff. By the way, he is a British guy. Interesting. And he's into these cars, and he just bought another used one, and he's always searching for SLKs, and he's got two huh. in his driveway, and. The guy's obsessed. Anyway, it made me think. Interesting. All right. I see how you got that. All right. He's British. He likes SLKs. What about Tom? (laughs) That's exactly the thread. Oh, you're British. Do you know so-and-so? Yeah, it's exactly that. Anyway. uh, Yeah. Um, Anyway. Okay. I have two. I would normally call them wild cards. I'm just going to call them madness because I don't know if they will fit the bill on cost to run, be that gas mileage, and also just what what are you as a twenty three year old? What is it going to cost you to own these cars? Is it going to cost you extra that may take them right off the right off the page? Buckets of money that maybe yeah you can't uh, can't consider. But them. I did that crazy thing that I've done before, and that is you just you take what seems like a really low amount of pounds and you start shopping the used market in the UK and you go you can get one of those. It's amazing. It makes deals that we find in the US look like we're spending way too much. So okay. anyway, um, all right, interesting. He mentioned on his list, what about a BMW 1 Series, which uh, like a 120i, which is like the base 1 Series. Yeah. Okay, I see how you got there. Um, why get a 120i when for – I've got one right in front of me here. In fact, uh, I've got a really nice 12,000-pound M3, E46 M3. This is the manual, 67,000 miles in blue. You're kidding me. 12,250 pounds. Right-hand drive, I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah, it's a British car. What? So I'm sitting They're here going, why year? on earth? Is it's, it? a, it's an O2. But why on earth, which is right up front. Wow. But, but why are we shopping 125s if you can get one of those? And this is, this is not a, this is the only one I found. I'm just saying this is an example I have in front of me. There were tons of them. Really? Now, a lot of them were the se- sequential gearbox. Yeah. But there were plenty yeah. of manuals because I, I filtered at 15. I didn't even filter at six. Sometimes they'll filter with an extra 1,000. I filtered right at 15 grand. Did you? Okay. And there was. So the lots of them. Interesting. And in the same search, I also found equally mad. You can get the next gen, the E ninety. Wait. Yes, they aren't common, but you can find them. I have two in front of me here. Both of them listed for fourteen nine nine five. What? Four liter V eight M threes, my friend. Coupes. These are, let's see, uh, both of these are actually listed as manuals. One has 47,000 miles. The other has 62,000 miles. Not bad for either of those cars. An e, E90 Coupe? Or E92, sorry. It's the Coupe. E92 M3 for less than 15,000 pounds. Get ready to spray gas at that thing, Yes, though. this is where it may I be mean, right out of the right. Oh. This is where I'm into madness. And then I thought, and look, look, where I'm going here is I'm just going, you want rear-wheel drive, power, and dynamics. But you also want it to be usable. This is where I, why I ventured off into this world, okay? Wow. Another one I have to th- throw out because you get them there, and they are now ridiculously cheap, and they're cheap here too, but they're called something different. The Vauxhall Monaro is our Pontiac GTO. It is, yes, yes. The same car. Go get yourself a big V8 one of those for cheap. But wouldn't that uh, kind of defeat the dynamics that he's looking for? Coming out of an MR2, wouldn't that kind oh, of big, heavy car that's the thing. suddenly we, be like, it's, Whoa, the, the, question, the question different. in my mind here, the question, and this is where it goes into madness, the question in my mind here is how much usability do we want? Because I think the leap from MR2, you land right at 86. I think that's where you land. You land at GT86. Yeah, but if you want yeah. to go more usable than that, I want to go to get you more power, stay rear-wheel drive, get you some genuine back seats, and that's where I wind up in these big 2 plus 2s. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe they're that cheap. That's the other reason I bring it up. That's amazing. This is why I'm into madness. I think this is probably not the place for you to be, Tom, but I wanted to bring them up and just go, can you believe it? Because I can't believe it. 
That's amazing, especially the E90. I know that's I know. blowing me into the weeds and right look, now. Look, there were there they're were not that cheap in the U.S. They no, are not. No, even and they're, and really they're, well used ones. Agreed. And there were some where it was like, well, of course it's that cheap. It's got one hundred and twenty thousand miles on it. But these two I've got I've got in front of me don't barely have over fifty. Were they ever underwater completely? I have at some no point? idea. It's hard to say. You know, but but anyway, <laughs> this I, car has been submerged. Exactly. That's <laughs> oh, there Recent, it is. Recently pulled out of the channel <laughs> and now available for sale to you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Fell off a barge, and here we have it now. Yeah, I don't know. Low price. There they are. Holy moly. All right, Tom, uh, interesting choices. We like your list. We like the greatest hits, of course, but, you know, we're both thinking outside the box a little bit more, which I like. We're spending more money. We're going straight straight to madness. Hey, if we're going to talk M3s, let's let's really blow his budget up. Well, but but here's the thing: why? But but I do have to ask the question: Why buy a 120i when you could get an M3? Yeah, that's a tough call. I mean, look, insurance. that doesn't mean that's that, that, why. exactly insurance and consumables. That's the why. So I don't know what the situation is there, but M3. Hello. Wow. Wow. All right. Uh, <laughs> that's going to be fun. So. Um, Tom, let us know. We're very curious. Definitely. And if you've got your own debate, please write to us at EverydayDriverTV at Gmail and EverydayDriver.com. Plus, we just love hearing from you guys. For sure. And, yeah. uh, love your suggestions. You can find us on social media, too. And we mm-hmm. will, we'll get to those questions in just a little bit. But we love just hearing your thoughts. And uh, you guys have really done so much for us. So please write to us when you get a chance. But for right now, we will take a short break and come right back. Hi, I'm Daniel Rue, host of Real GM Radio, where every week I go in-depth on NBA basketball through conversations with some of the brightest basketball minds out there, including Kevin Pelton, Nate Duncan, Chris Herring, Tim Bontemps, and team experts from all around the league. We try to separate the truth from the noise for players, teams, and NBA draft prospects alike with a focus on the basketball itself. If you want to know what is coming next in the NBA and why, there is no better place to turn than the weekly episodes of Real GM Radio. You can find us exclusively at podcastonesports.com, the new Podcast One app, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's talk about your bucket list for a minute. That's right, your bucket list. You know what should be on it? A trip to one of the greatest spectacles in all of motorsports, the Indy 500. This is not just any trip, but the ultimate Indy 500 fan experience. That's exactly what Amsoil, maker of some of the best synthetic motor oils on the planet, is giving away this spring. One grand prize winner will win the trip of a lifetime to the Indy 500 to watch some of the fastest cars and best drivers battle to have their names etched alongside the greats like Foyt, Andretti, Unser, and Castroneves. But that's not all. Listen to what else awaits the grand prize winner. There's pit access, dinner with an Indy 500 legend, VIP track access. That's one of those badges that gets you in anywhere. Sweet access to watch the race, $1,000 cash for incidental travel and event-related expenses. You just get to, you get to charge it. It's going to be great. Round-trip airfare for two of you. To the Indy Race, hotel accommodations for two with five nights at a hotel near the Motor Speedway. Even ground transportation to and from the airport, the hotel, and the Speedway, plus chances to meet the drivers themselves. Just like they do when they make high-performance synthetic motor oils, Amsoil went the extra mile with this sweepstakes. If that's not enough, there's also 10 first-place winners, and they'll all receive one free digital download code for Monster Energy Supercross, the official video game. To enter the Amsoil Ultimate Indy 500 Fan Experience, text Indy, I-N-D-Y, to 41487. That's Indy to 41487. Or visit amsoil.com slash Indy. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth, you will certainly send any text about your supervisor to your supervisor. What's with Janet's bangs? Did she lose a bet with a weed whacker? <laughs> L-O-L. And sent. Wait, no, 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 no. Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at Geico.com. Janet, I think my phone was hacked or something. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Hello, Steen in the Netherlands. He has written to us about selling advice. Yes. And like we've talked about at the top of the podcast up here. Get out of the box. We rarely talk about selling advice and which cars to sell because... You really ought to sell that. Yeah. Nobody has as many cars as Steen that I've this heard This is of. true. Well, he's got a lot of lovely cars He's here. got a lot of lovely cars, and he's got a lot of cars where uh, he's got like three cars that any one of these three, I would hear from a person be like, you're hardcore to have that one. He has yeah. all three of them. <laughs> yeah. All right. So here he is. 
He's in the Netherlands, as we said, and should he sell his 997.1 manual 2S? Mm-hmm. 997 Porsche. He says, I'm by no means a car collector, but I love driving cars and motorcycles, and it's getting crowded in my garage and on my driveway. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. Problems, yes. my friend. First world Darn problems, it. I hate sure. it when yeah. that happens. Mm-hmm. All right. So starting off, he's got a rally-prepped 1965 Mustang Fastback Mustang in the Netherlands, yeah. 65. In the, that's oh, that's really cool. cool. It's really cool. It'd be cool here, over oh there. It's, it's, it's practically, it's like, it's like a classic spaceship. <laughs> it's like a Jules Verne car. It's like, what is that? You know what I mean? Anyway. Totally. Well, he says this is absolutely great. Manual, modified suspension, limited slip diff, modified steering, engine upgrades. He says this is an all-around thumbs-up driving experience. And he had it on the Nordschleife once, and he said, I will drive it there again. It is the perfect noisy, ticking, coughing, uneconomical, environmentally unfriendly car for country roads. And I would so like to see that car on the ring. I'd like to drive that car on the ring. Totally. That just you sounds do not brilliant. See those cars that there. sounds brilliant. Oh my gosh! All right. So second car is the 06997 manual, the 2S. Mm-hmm. He has used as a daily since 2007. And he said, even the 90,000 miles, mechanically, it's perfect. Even though it's got some scratches and dent. Well, of course. It's been it's, used. It's, it's a been daily. used driven it's it. daily, yeah. The other but, car that but he's But that's lapped, the car that's on the possible shop. Uh, yes, that, shop, that's, shopping the, block. that's yeah. the, the cutting block here. The other car that has been on the Nordschleife is this 2002 Land Rover Defender. <laughs> At 200,000 miles, completely stock, he says, this car will stay with me forever. I'm, I'm having trouble envisioning this car hooning around the Nordschleife. With proof, though, that you can take anything. I mean, the first year you and I were there, we did genuinely see an Audi wagon with kids in the back. We did, and there's the tour bus thing, but they're not hooning. The Audi was going fast. The Audi wagon was kids in the back. I mean, it was like, come on, and kids. And then, go to and, then, and then the next, and... And the next year, I forget what it was. It may, I don't think it was an Audi again, but the next year we saw some other hatch and kids in the back. But it was mom, dad, kids, and they were all wearing helmets. And I was like, that is not the way that I grew up. Was it a Volvo? May, may have been, but it was like the whole family's here, and they're all wearing helmets. <laughs> That's like, hey, kids, wife, kids, let's go to the rig today. Everybody goes. That's kind of awesome, honestly. But anyway. Oh, you know how they, there's stick figure families in the back of minivans and everything here? It yes. Stick figure family with the helmets. Yes. All the way down Kill to the dog. Kill it all. Kill it with fire. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so what else? His work requires him to be on the road more, including weekly Autobahn stretches in Germany of about 50 miles. Yeah. Get this. His company has provided him with a Tesla Model S that is now his daily. So he has a company car that's a Tesla Model S. I thought that nobody was buying Tesla Model S's in Germany because they were limited to 155. He's not in Germany. He's in the Netherlands. Well, he, he says to... he's got this weekly Autobahn but, stretch. I know, but no, but what I'm, say- what I'm saying is that's why. Well, yeah, he, he's in the and Netherlands, plus and, they, and, they, and they bought him a Model S, thinking, well, you know, this is going to be very environmentally friendly. And now you're going on the Autobahn, going, "I wish this was faster," which is a sentence that no other Tesla owner is really saying. <laughs> but there it is. He says this is as interesting as a new iPhone. If you get my drift, yeah. He had, well, but hang on, let's unpack that for a minute because because he, he talks okay. further in his email. He talks about the fact that the, the clear the clear vibe from Steen here is he couldn't be more impressed with the Model S. But he is not passionate about it. No, fair enough. It's it's a car that really impresses him, and is also a really impre- impressive technical appliance. It's an electronic gadget. Yes, and and so he's like, wow, cool, glad to have this. But he doesn't. I mean, the description of his he has a paragraph in here talking about his Model S. The description of that paragraph versus the description of his Mustang tells you all you need to know about Steen and his opinion yeah, of these true. cars. And, and those cars, most people look at couldn't, it. but they couldn't be more more different. Okay, mm-hmm. and so it's interesting to see that he has both these cars rolling around. Keep going. Yeah, he also mentions that he had a 930 Turbo that he bought with 13,000 miles on it. He had a road trip to visit the Mimilia in Italy, mm-hmm. and it was stolen there. He loved it, loved mm-hmm. the Turbo. Mm-hmm. He he found it a little soft when it was not on boost. All right, fair enough. I mean, we're talking about you know 930 from, Turbos, but from that era. Sure, okay, I mean sure, modern. I Sports cars are far more powerful, but okay, that's not why you own that car, and, yeah. and he loved this car. So after the turbo was <laughs> stolen, he did two things. First off, he picked up riding motorcycles, and then he bought a 1979 Porsche 911 SC that he has lowered the weight, done suspension upgrades, done a whole bunch of stuff to it to go more nimble and hardcore, and he said, this car will be delivered in two or three months. So... 
Porsche freak. Yeah. Okay. Tesla Model S owner. He's mm-hmm. got the four by four. Yeah. Car full of driveways. And the question is <laughs> Car full of driveways. Driveway full of cars. Yes, I'm with you. Car full of driveways. Did I say that? That's okay. Driveway full of cars. Yes. And so should the Porsche go away? Should the nine nine seven Porsche the, the most go away? recent car he has, should he get rid of it? With, with the exception of the Tesla, yeah. I'm just wondering, is it is the disease so strong, Steen, that that car will be replaced by something else? That's actually my big question, too. I mean, are you truly going to clear it out? Yeah. Or are you going to be like, uh, there's an empty space? Agreed. That's the big unknown here, because what he's what he said is, should I get rid of the 997? And I my short answer is going to be yes. But my follow-up discussion is, are you getting rid of it because it doesn't have a role and nothing will fill that role? Yeah. Or are you getting rid of it because you're going, should I replace this with something else? In both cases, and this probably isn't going to surprise those of you who listen for a while, I say get rid of it just to get a new experience if you're going to get a new car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But even if it's not – you look, I'm also going to say this. The other reason to get rid of it, you don't need a car in that role. <laughs> Honestly. A I'm, Porsche I'm, 911 that I don't need. I, I know, it, I know it's insane. Who has ever had this I problem except for Steen? I get it, possibly. But, but this, 911 is, this, I is, don't this need. is the Steen but issue. That's what I, we're going to call it. But, but here's I'm having trouble over here. I'm I know. melting inside. But I, I know you are. And, and, and I'm sure he'd be more than happy to ship it over to you. But, but here's, ship but here's it the on thing. Over. But here's the thing. I look at the cars he has, and I try to think about what are their roles, okay? I try to think about what, are they, what do they do for Steen? What does he enjoy about them? And I, I think the 997 <laughs> is now a car without a role. Because you've got a 911 SC that gets you your 911 love, but it also goes hardcore. So you've got your European classic German car that's also a 911, classic 911 handling, plus it's air-cooled. It does all the Porsche 911 things are handled in that car coming up. Yeah, You've got the crazy car from another era, car from another country time machine that is that Mustang. Yeah, You've got the 4x4 that clearly has been with you forever and will be with you forever and is the only 4x4 that people that know nothing about them are like, that's a cool truck. And they're worth a fortune. And apparently you can hoon them on the ring. Clearly. And then you have your, if you will, perfect commute car, perfect company car. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to love it. It will it'll work Autobahn. It's the latest, greatest tech. What is the 997 for? And I don't mean that to be tacky. I'm just saying what role does it fill? Plus, he's got a KTM Supermoto that he almost lost his driver's license. Yeah, sure, why he's not? He's got that, too. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, huh. I'm having trouble figuring out what, what, what role it fills. So my straight-up question is, I think, it, I mean, response is, I think you can sell it and not worry about it. I, I love that you've loved it. It's well-loved. Sell it. Let someone else love it. Enjoy the cars you have. If you're going to fill that slot, I have a couple of recommendations because I want to get you away from the 997 into new experience. But my first thought is just, I don't think it has a role anymore, which is crazy to say, That's but I don't crazy. think it has a role. I'm having trouble with this because he says he loves it when he drives it, and so does his girlfriend. But that's not hard to say. Well, yeah, and he's also wondering, actually, from a you know long term, will it be the one that got away? Will it be? Will it increase in value, I think, is what you're asking, Steen. Hard to say at this point. I mean, years need to pass. No. Obviously, we've seen that with 20-year-old 993s, yes. But for more modern cars like the 997, yeah. I can't say that it'll increase in value. Ah, this is, I, this I, is I'm so gonna, tough. I'm going to say it. I think the 997 is not any kind of investment car. I, and I'm a guy that loves not right now. the 997. I love the not 997. Right now. But here's the thing. It doesn't do anything that is overly, oh, my gosh, that was the first whatever. Not, mm, and here's the thing. Not if, you're buy, not if you're talking about a .1 S. If you're talking about the GT3, if you're talking about the GT3 you're talking about RS4, models. yeah, sure, fine. Sure, but yeah. Come on, they just they just made this car, and it's not the first water water cooled. It's not the first really anything, if you will. And and uh, trust me, watch fifty years of nine eleven. I really like the nine nine seven point one. It's one of my very favorites. So I'm saying that from a place of enjoying this car, but it isn't a car that. Honestly, has any now? Granted, I realize nine eleven prices aren't rational, but it has no rational reason to go back up in value. And I think yeah. it's great that you've loved it. And I think there's nothing wrong with, as I've said before, you like a car and you still sell it. I'm glad that you liked it. I'm glad you guys liked. It. I'm not surprised at all that you get in that car and you're like this is a great car to drive. Of course it is. That doesn't mean it should stay. I don't think it has a role. It has a role. I'm trying to think of a role. I'm desperately trying to think <laughs> of a role. You're just desperately trying to Where keep someone from life? selling a nine eleven, putting it on a boat and shipping it over to me. Anyway. The role is road trips. 
what car are you going to go road tripping in? The Tesla is for work use. Okay. Yeah. The SC will be, it'll be the nimble fun. Are you going to be comfortable in that car? Long GT kinds of drives? I suppose. Maybe not. Mustang is, okay, the the bonkers car. You're yeah. not going to take the yeah. Defender on a big, long road trip. Maybe you are, but it's short wheelbase. So I don't think it'll be as comfortable. So this thing is, hey, we're going to open it up on the Autobahn. I this th- is his fastest car in the fleet, you realize, currently. Top speed, sure. Yeah, yeah. I take that. So take that. for GT, long-distance cruising, country-to-country, hey, I babe, guess. let's go to Italy. Yeah. Let's drop down through countries and go to Zurich. Why not? That That's the role. It's your Zurich car. Got it. Steen, I found it. That's ridiculous, but it's fine. I'm having trouble because if you're simply thinking about this to fill a slot and it will get replaced by something that's where i'm having trouble if you're just saying hey i get rid of this because i already have the Mm -hmm. the sc over here and i have the porsche driving experience and then i've got these other three you know unicorn kinds of cars great but if you're just going to replace it something i can see the experience i could yeah i could debate that if you're saying like you know a bmw of some sort or i was gonna say something like that here's the thing if he's going to replace we need a totally different experience and i came up with two Lotus Evora or Aston Martin Vantage. Those are totally different experiences. But, and they're not, like anything, points they're not like anything else in his fleet. No, no. And that's the whole point of this fleet is, well, except See, for the 911s, I think, one I think is not the, like the other. I think the 997, that's the problem. I think the 997, especially with that SC coming, I think it starts to have overlap into other duties. And that's where I go, okay, that car can go. The 997 is your Berlin car for the weekend. Take the Model S. Look, on it, I guess the infrastructure is there. In work mode over here in my Does, mind. But okay, park it on Friday night. Maybe, maybe. But if we're really gonna just road trip, just saw across miles. If you've got the the supercharger infrastructure, that's the key thing for where you're going. Well, but, yeah, you know, it yeah. probably does. I'm having trouble with this one. I you're just, having trouble having someone sell a 911 and not have it anymore. That's not a surprise yeah, to anyone that's listening for five You still have minutes. the SC, which, okay, but the SC is so very different than the 997. Yes, true. I'm having true. trouble letting go. But, okay, I can see the Evora. I could see the Evora over in Aston, honestly. Well, but honestly, if he wants a different experience and he wants a modern Porsche, then get a Cayman. Yes, also a very different experience. Yes. If you're going to add a Cayman, I'm fine with selling the 997. If that's what you're going to do, Steen, then you have my blessing. Otherwise, yeesh, it doesn't sound like it's a money issue. I need the money. It's like I need to see my driveway kind of I, reason. Yes, I think he's looked out and gone, huh, why, why do I, what's that car for? I think that's, and I think it's the probably, right question. And I don't probably. mean that to be tacky. I just think that's the right question. What is that car's role? I don't think it has one anymore. If it's that reason, it's I'm begrudgingly allowing it, I suppose. I'm dragging you along. Yeah. I suppose. I still maintain it's your weekend. Let's go to Munich. Let's go shopping in Munich. I love that you just... There's all practic- the best shopping You're in Munich. You're just practically throwing a dart at Europe. Just just picking city <laughs> names. Just, there it is. Everybody goes shopping in Munich. Come on. That's where the best stores are. Everyone goes shopping in Munich. Don't they? That's a t-shirt right there. <laughs> no one will ever wear that, but it makes me laugh. <laughs> all right, Steen. You've got... Um, You've got a big decision to make, and I want to know. So please write to us, guys. Thank you so much for writing in, both of you. It's been a while since we've done uh, Outside the U.S., and I thought both of these would be kind of fun. And, yeah, if you have selling advice, too, this is, um, you know, it's probably not going to be the level of Steen and which 911 should I get rid of. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, anyway, we tease you just a little bit. But we've got questions to get to on social media. A lot, yeah. Many, many. And there's a question on here. We've got the Track Daily Crush questions to get to, of course. A million, yeah. But from Vince C. on Facebook, he had a great question about Mm. owners. Mm -hmm. How many previous owners for a used car scares you? Mm Mm-hmm. I think you should talk about your Mini and your Lotus. I should talk about because both of they're those. very different. Yes, they're they're yes. actually opposite ends of the spectrum, mm-hmm. and yet here you are with both cars. You're right. You're right. I'm curious. So, the Mini, first off, is the is the less shocking part of this story. And I've told this story before. The Mini had one owner. Yeah. For from the day it was bought, brand new, to 180,000 miles where I bought it, one owner. Amazing. Loved it. A man that owned multiple minis. Like, he would buy a mini and love it so much he'd give it to one of his kids. And then he'd, he encouraged his brother to buy, buy a mini. And then he and his brother both had minis for a while. And then he got another mini for another family member. Kept this one all the way through. Hmm. So 
he has a lift in his garage. The garage is spotless. He did all his work himself. One owner. So I looked at looking at $5,000 Mini Coopers. I looked at two or three. <laughs> okay. com. I looked at two or three. And this was by far the cleanest. And that situation of a much-loved, like a, a cherished car that was much-loved and well-taken care of, one owner, at that point, the mileage no longer scared me. Right. Because of the single owner. Right. Because of the situation, yeah. I went, I don't care. It's got a lot of miles. I'm buying this car. Sure, sure. Conversely, <clears throat> we have the Lotus. <laughs> I have to say, I found the Lotus that I wanted. I was very excited about it. And then I looked up the Carfax. It's a bit like the Village Bicycle, right? Yes, it's had seven owners before me. <laughs> I'm number eight. I'm the eighth owner of a car built in 06. Okay? That's a year and a half, year and... If it were any other car on the planet, I would have run away. Mm-hmm. Not And here's the thing. Not because of Lotus Love. Not because of that. Because of what it is. Because this yeah. is a car that yeah. requires a certain level of sacrifice. And I think every owner, myself included, there is the dream followed by the reality of owning it. And I looked at the Carfax and I noticed a trend. Every other owner treated the car differently. One guy would put 1,500 miles on it and own it a year and unload it. That's a guy that had it as a weekend car. It was fun. I had my fill. That was yeah. interesting. Now I'm selling yeah. it. The next guy would put you know, 12, 15,000 miles a year on it, have it a couple of years. Okay, he actually used it as a daily, which is what I was going to do. The next guy, 1,000, 1,500. And yeah. it kept kind of bouncing back and forth between that. And what I noticed is in the last two or three owners, it started to get a little bit modded and modded for track use. So it hasn't been – look, there's nothing to strip out of a Lotus. So it hasn't been stripped out. But they added the uh, the bar for the uh, for the four-point harness. Right, And they right. upgraded the shifter, which actually I think my Elise has one of the best shifter feels of any Elise I've ever driven. Was it just the shifter or did they do something with the transmission too? It's, it's actually got different engine mounts. That's what it it's was. It's got different shifter That's cables and engine mounts, and it yeah. transforms the quality of the shifting. Um, some changes to the seats because of the, the four-point harness. Some of these things just make it a little more track-friendly, mm-hmm. okay? but yet still was able to be a daily. So by the time it gets to me, the last two owners only use it as a track car, and they only use it as an occasional track car. Like, oh, let's take the Lotus, because they both had spec Miatas. Right, right. One of them had it for a while, sold it to the other one so they could keep it, quote-unquote, in the family, and it barely got driven. So there's, there's a lot of it moving around, but yet I'm looking at it going, okay, it had, you know, uh, low 50,000 miles, which for actually an Elise is kind of a lot of miles, which is kind of funny. Yeah, but, for an 06 car, not a lot. But, for an Elise? Yeah, exactly. So, so seeing the condition it was in, seeing the deal I could get on it, it was an 06 and checked all the boxes. I went, you know what? I'm going to roll the dice because these cars typically are reliable for what they are. And it checks every other box. And I can pretty much extrapolate what owners' experiences were with the car. And they were either like, I love this. I'm going to drive it every day. Or, wow, that needs to be taken a step at a time. So <laughs> sure, it really, sure. it, it, to me, there isn't, Vince, there's not a, a clear answer on is there a number. It's a whole story, if you will. And I'm taking a bit of a risk on both these cars. In the case of the Mini, that's a lot of miles. In the case of the Lotus, that's a lot of owners. But I'm just weighing how I'm going to use it versus the story of the car and just kind of going, what am I comfortable with? Mm, sure. Yeah, I have uh, not owned cars in both of those categories. I don't. Well, I have owned. Neither have I before now. (laughs) I'm trying it out. I've owned. uh, Usually, my cars that I've owned are are one or two. Well, I take that back. The Cayman had one owner, and it was just you know eighty year old guy, tenured professor at a college, puttered around Phoenix in it, and wanted to wait for his GT4. So, I guess yeah, just one owner in that. But otherwise. I mean, it, it very much depends on the car. As you've said, mm-hmm. it depends on what it is, the usage, all that kind of stuff. You can't just relate, well, this has had 10 owners, so I'm not considering it. Well, hang on. Let's dissect yeah. that. Is there all the service records? That's a huge one. And for you, there was. Plus, yeah. you got to take it to your <clears throat> Rolls-Royce dealer yeah, to the local Rolls-Royce dealer have area. it inspected, which um, you never do that. Yeah, exactly. Well, but I, I mean, I would say personally, any t- anything over three owners, if a car is, you know, well... Anything more than a few owners a year, if you will, a few mm-hmm. owners over a few period of years. Like a 10-year-old car with three owners doesn't scare me. A, a yeah. two-year-old car with three owners, what's going on here? Right. You know? Right. So there, there's a whole larger story to, to find. I That 300ZX I owned, I was the fourth owner. Were you? The first two each had it for multiple years, and the last guy had it for six months. No idea why. Had it for six months. That's interesting, because you had so, it for a good amount of time. I had it for a long time. 
and I really liked it. So it was, it, it's always interesting. Carfax is simultaneously awesome and horrifying. It doesn't matter. It's just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hear that. Okay, so Nico on Instagram, we're, we're doing a track daily Are crash. TDC, okay. All right. C4 Corvette. Okay. So imagine that in your mind. Uh, yeah, I am. Fox Body Mustang GT. Okay. Pontiac Fiero GT. Ooh. Ooh. This is a good one. I really like this. It is a good one. Um, hmm. <laughs> Ouch. I'm actually going to track that Fiero. I'm going to strip it out and track it. You are. Yep. There was one. There was one at Lemons that kept passing us. That's not a, it, really all that good because everything passes. Actually, there were a couple at Lemons that did really well. Huh. I mean, look. I don't know that I can fit in it with a helmet. I kind of doubt that I can. But I just look at what it is. I certainly don't want to daily that car. But it has the right recipe for a track car. But it's gonna need some love. It's gonna need to be properly prepped for it. Yeah, there's a few of them floating around that people have modified yeah. intensely. Yeah, I mean, I look at the it's other tiny. two. I just yeah, I I I say Fiero GT. I, I can for see the, yeah for the it's track a tiny car. car. That's Knowing my proclivities, there there you go. Exactly. Um, the other two. Hmm. Ouch! This is a this is like a pick pick the one you like the, <laughs> you hate the least. Is that what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I think that's what I'm trying to say. Try try, try to not offend somebody. I yeah. dare there, I, I dare you. I, it, I've been offensive. It doesn't matter. Um, hmm. I think I might. No, I. Oh, this is hard. Where are you? I'm. Uh, I'm going to daily the Mustang GT because stoplight drag races. I mean, yeah, baby, come on. <laughs> Mustang GT, the Fox Body, daily that thing. I'm gonna crush the vet, and I'm also gonna track the Pontiac Fiero. Are you really? Friend of ours that we were just talking about mm-hmm. before we started the podcast. He is actually actively looking for a Fiero to buy to drop a Cadillac Northstar V8, the transverse mounted V8 in the back of that thing. You know your idea with the Toyota GT86 and dropping yeah. an LS motor in that thing? Yeah. How about a Fiero with the Cadillac Northstar engine in the back? What are the what are the dynamics of that car going to be? Wow. I mean, it'll be quick, but what are the dynamics going to be? Connect chassis handle no that. No idea. It's going to warp the car like a potato chip. Seriously, it's <laughs> going to bend in the middle every time you hit the gas. It's going to be craziness. But just cool to think about. At least yeah. transverse V eight. Yeah, I hear you. Cool I, I, I do get that. Um, I actually am going to. I'm going to part from you on this. I'm going to stay with the Fiero GT for the track car, and I think, I think I'm going to crush that Mustang. Really? I, I, I'm not in love with the vet idea here, but of the options, I think I've got to go with the vet. You're going to drive that vet around. I don't think, well, I don't know. I'd, I'd daily the vet. I'd daily the vet. I, would. I, I, I like what it is better than I like the, that Mustang. It's, it's, yeah, it's, I hate it the least. I hate to say it that way, <laughs> but here's the thing. I mean, we want to do a, a generational Corvette thing at some point. We're still hoping to do that. And uh, look, maybe it'll surprise me, but my memories of it are not good. Yeah. Yeah. Me neither. Anyway, all right. What but else? That's is on what your made list that here? great. Uh, we have another track daily crush. This one is crazy hard. Okay. All right. Carrera GT. Okay. F forty. Oh. McLaren F one. Oh. It's it's which of the greatest hits do you kill? Oh. I think I have an answer though. I mean, and we say this without having driven any of these cars. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, if you have one is sitting in your garage collecting dust, I mean, dust will happily, happily episode, give it exercise. Yeah, that's the thing. We'll drive those three for TV and then decide which one we're going to crush. That'd be a fantastic episode of TV. Anyway, moving on. No, I actually think that the Carrera GT gets crushed. What? Yeah, I know. I what? Know. I know. But because I because here's my thinking beyond that. The F40 has to be tracked. What? Absolutely. And the McLaren F1 is my daily. Okay. I just okay. the McLaren F1 is a daily. I love it. The 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 three seats and everything. I love everything about it. The F40 is trying to be a race car anyway. You know, you look. Well, at, you could say that about any of these things. No, but the F40 clearly. The F40 is a, of the supercars that Ferrari has sold. It's the one where they were kind of like, want to buy a race car? I mean, that's really the one that is that that's way. True. So the Carrera GT, which I'm a big fan of, I'm sorry, but it's gone. Wow. I, I, hard to say. This is hard. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to get rid of the Ferrari. Really? I'm going to crush that thing. I am. Sh- I'm actually very surprised to hear you say that. I, I love F40s. 
I mean, as you know, Ferraris in general are kind of cool. Okay. Mm -hmm. My proclivities are elsewhere. Yeah. But the F40 is high on my list. And despite that, I'm going to crush it. And I'm going to, I'm going to track the Carrera GT and I'm going to daily the McLaren. Interesting. Because daily you can take two people. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, cruise around. it's surprisingly usable. <laughs> <laughs> McLaren F1s, everyone. There. Yeah, exactly. They are now on the list. They are actually <laughs> usable cars. I- I'm gonna I'm gonna track the Carrera GT. You know, there's some interesting things that have come out about that F1 in the last couple of years. There's been some observations and some cool articles written about them. You know, there's very few techs in the world. They're actually trying to train one. I think it's CJ Wilson is trying to train a tech here in the States to get a, a tech over here that can work on the F1s. Okay, yeah. But one of the things I've heard in the last few years is those cars are worth so much now that they've had a weird thing happen. For the longest time, it was nobody drove them. And in the last few years, guys that own them are driving them because they've reached that place where they're worth so much that by driving them, putting miles on them, you're really not wrecking the value anymore. And if anything were to happen, they're worth so much, you'll just get it fixed. Well, that's true. And they'll main, rain, retain their value, which is a weird thing to happen. They Yikes. got to that place. Remember that guy years ago? It's probably 10 years ago now. You and I were at the historic races, and a guy took an original Testarossa 250 over the top of corkscrew yeah. and lost his brakes and scattered it along the tire wall, and everybody in the crowd just went ashen, and the announcer went, <laughs> It's a fifteen million dollar car. That's a two million dollar fix. He's going to fix it. Yeah, it's the down same kind of thing is now happening with the McLaren F one of all things, which is craziness. I'm going to get this wrong, but I read an article about uh, McLaren F one specifically using a particular type of laptop that they tuned the car with. It was an old compact oh, oh, or Toshiba something or something. Yeah, something like that. And it was the serial bus interface <laughs> that they had to use, or some sort yeah. of component that only interfaced with the way the car was designed and built yep. with the technology they had at the time. And so these old laptops, they still need to use them. <laughs> Techs carrying around nuts. ancient gear to you work on your very somehow get car. around that, but that wasn't the case. So I, I think they've, I think wow. they've retrofit that now, but it was for a few years. It was like, what is that laptop doing here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, no, no. Don't touch that. Don't throw it away. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't breathe that. on it. Are you kidding? Uh, Hal Bullock asked on, on Facebook, how does the mini rate on the Fiesta ST fun meter? Oh, I really like the mini. I'm going to declare the Fiesta ST more fun. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I, it's the, the mini, the mini feels heavier and slightly less chuckable than the Fiesta ST. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the, if you will, this is going to sound weird. Some of the downsides to front wheel drive dynamics are present in the mini less so than they are on the Fiesta ST. Mm-hmm. Um, now look, mm, that, yeah. not to say that the mini isn't fun. It is fun. I'm enjoying it. The Fiesta ST is just, it's a weird kind of lightning in a bottle riot of cars. So there's a question over here on uh, Facebook about kind of newer cars where new cars that are new to you. It's from Kelvin T. Okay. He's saying there's a new Audi, new to him, Audi S3 with 12,000 miles on it. Oh, yeah. He said, I know the previous owner was an enthusiast, but what is the most important thing I should do as a new owner of this car? Mm-hmm. Is it tires? Should I replace all the fluids first? He's in the, this conundrum because he used all of his money to get the car so he can only <laughs> afford one thing at a time. Without too much information, we don't know your where you live, mm-hmm. the weather you're in, of course, if How it is... You know, winter driving conditions, we sure. will say tires yeah. because for a newer Audi S3 like that, probably he's had the oil changed done, changed at the dealership already, probably. Mm-hmm. Probably, yeah. And so, therefore, if it's got a 8,000 or even 10,000 mile oil change interval. He may have had a couple by this point. Who knows? True. You might be okay. Even though I will say as a new car, when I, when I acquire a new car, f- first thing I want to do is change the oil. Yeah. Even though, fine, give me the records. I just kind of want to reset my own. Sure. I want to put the oil in that I want to use. Yeah, I yeah, want to yeah. just kind of mm-hmm. start to get used to the car and, and you know, kind of make it mine, if you know yeah. what I mean. Sure. But, again, that depends on how new it is. And in this case, I would almost say tires if the, the conditions of where you live dictate that. Well, I'm going to say to Kelvin, I, I think tires is where I'm leaning as well. But the big question is, what does the car need? Does it need tires? What's the tread on the current tires? With 12,000 miles. Yeah. I mean, probably hope, fine. Hopefully the tires are in ha- decent shape. Now, if you're talking about upgrading stuff, then yeah, I would just go tires right away. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about wanting to get a, a more hardcore tire set, then yeah, go ahead and put tires on it. 
Does it at twelve thousand miles? Does it need any fluids? I can't imagine if it's had oil, an oil change or two. I can't imagine you're due for any of that either. Now I take your point. I agree with you generally. Granted, I was buying a car with seven owners. I really do this. No, but um, <laughs> yeah, you're the yeah. That happened exactly right. Welcome. Anyway, uh, but no. The, generally, I do the exact same thing, and that is oil change right away. Does it need any other fluids? Let's get all those done. But that's for like really used cars. Twelve thousand miles. Uh, that's a year of ownership. Yeah. So it yeah. probably doesn't need really anything. I'm going to lean on tires at this as well. Interesting. All right. Uh, we've got more questions here. Looking around, uh, there actually is a funny question from Mark B. He's asking about bloopers or outtakes on various episodes. He says, I appreciate how professional you guys are at all times. Here's me being professional. Sure. <laughs> right. That's, that's the first description that jumps to my mind in meeting me. Yeah. Yeah. He says, it would be hilarious to see us cut up for a bit. Well, Mark, yes, we have piles of outtakes and us being stupid and pointing to each other on camera going, don't you dare. Yeah, don't use that. better not make it in because I screwed that up. I'm editing away and Paul will say something and look at me and actually point at the camera and be like, don't use that. It it does happen for sure. I've done it more and more because I realize, yeah, I've really talked myself into a corner and that got really weird and... Probably off color and yeah, it probably happens. best. And there, so then I rephrase it mm-hmm. better, and you know, there is definitely a non-family friendly version of this show <laughs> and of our videos for sure. But here's here's the actual honest answer: while some of that stuff exists, it will probably never be seen because honestly, that's an edit, extra editorial job to compile. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm 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 in motion <laughs> so much on the edits. It's like that edit's done, and we go on. And what happens sometimes is. I'll share with, with the guys and be like, hey, look at this. This is really funny. And then it never we never see it again because a lot of it is, how do I put this, inappropriate um, <laughs> because we're human and we say a lot of things that aren't that appropriate. Sometimes. So that happens. There's also moments that, that are not recorded on the podcast that we uh, we go, yeah, that thank God that wasn't being recorded. <laughs> so it exists. It's just it's the matter of where does that get compiled? And what, what happens when you see blooper reels, generally on feature films or TV or whatever, you're talking about a film that got edited by the guy that got the editorial credit, and he had three or four or five or ten assistants. And so it's really easy to task someone with all those things we've been noting that are really funny. Start putting those in a timeline. You just give that to somebody as a job. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to that somebody. So it just doesn't happen. (laughs) Okay. So uh, should we do another TDC here? Yeah. I don't have any other questions. Man, let's run through some more for sure. All right. So Frank B. is asking. This is hard, too, because Uh all of them are – Less than desirable. Camry Accord Fusion, all automatics. Track Daily Crush. Interesting. Is it the Fusion Sport? Can I go that far? I'm going to say no because there's no you know Camry Sport or Accord Sport on this list. Okay, fair. I'm going to say I, I think it's deliberately keeping it boring here. <laughs> I, I think it's keeping it boring. Deliberately suppressing the fun. Yeah, okay, all right. Um, I think I'm tracking the Accord. Okay. Of that group. I think I'm tracking the Accord. <laughs> Which leaves me with quite a conundrum. It, it leaves yeah. me kind of with a toss-up. I what car do you not want to be is seen there, in? Is there, is, a giant, is there a, a, a giant basis. coin that I can flip? Uh, no. Um, hmm. I will admit to have not driven the latest and greatest Fusion. So I'm I'm flying a little blind. I had one as a rental car a few but, years ago. But I'm going to go Camry as the daily and crush the Fusion. Really? Yeah. I just got a thing against Toyota Camry, so that I know Camry you is just... You just can't bear I it. can't wait to make a video of me crushing that car with I know. some big monster piece of equipment. But, uh, yeah, I might actually daily the Accord because I had two Accords. You did great. Yeah, you loved your Accord Early sure, in yeah. my uh, yeah. car-owning career, and they were great. I had mm-hmm. them for a lot of miles. So daily the Accord, track the Fusion, and sort of channel forward performance. Oh, I see where you're if going. If that's I see where you're even going. possible. Yeah, okay. All right. And and imagine that I'm in a and, GT350R. And, and, and track prep it. I get where, I get where you're going. Sure. fusionize the car. Fusionize. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's not ish. Well, maybe it is ish with this car. All right. Uh, that's pretty good. Some of these are kind of hard, actually. That, that, that's, the, that's the new challenge is people are trying to throw stuff at us where they're like, this will stump them. That's for sure that's happening. There was a good question about electric car break-in period over here. Uh, Mr. Kid 37 on Instagram, he said, I know there's an ongoing debate in the car world whether it's not whether or not it's necessary to break in a new combustion engine. Yes, I think that is settled. But now he's asking, do electric cars need a break-in period? I assume that they don't. 
Well, they need a charging period. <laughs> exactly. Don't assume from the same kind of standards where where you know you need to bed in new brakes or you need to you know make the uh, the seals in an engine kind of all kind of seal up a little bit more sure, by, sure, by sure. driving it a certain way or at a certain mile per hour. No, in that sense, electric cars don't need a braking period, but they're batteries. You need to follow the instructions. I think that's one of the biggest things I learned with the Chevy Bolt that we had was just reading the owner's manual and going, okay, so there there actually is kind of a way I should plug it into the house and charge it for a while and here's how long to leave it mm, and sure. here's what you're going to get and what to expect. You don't just, well, I'm just going to plug it in now like a lamp. That's not really what electric cars where we're at now. It's not an electric shaver. You don't just, you know, leave it. Much of its charging capabilities are automatic, but you need to really think about and read. I mean, for example, the uh, the switchover in the Bolt, you need to tell it whether you're at home or mm. whether you're at a at a charging station. And here's why. It's because they have actually built in the software. They know that that's why they want you to punch in your location on your GPS because when it's at home charging, it will charge on off periods when yeah, the, true. the yeah, peak yeah. electricity usage is less. And it will do that automatically for you by tapping into the local power usage, depending on the time of year, all of that stuff. So when you Craziness. plug it in, yeah. it might not immediately start charging. So you need to know that, hmm. thinking, oh, it's plugged in, it's charging, right? Well, no, because not until, not until later. it yeah. knows where you're point. at. It, so point. you need to know how long to leave it in to get your desired results. All that kind of stuff very much matters. So it's hmm. it's a different hmm. headspace, but yeah, the car sure. itself, what's well, an electric motor? I mean, nothing needs to happen there. <laughs> Is it getting power? Is it spinning? Done. Let's go. Are we yeah. moving? Okay. Awesome. All right. What's next? Uh, I don't know. I mean, we've got uh, lots of other questions. Actually, you know what? There's one other one I'll touch on real quickly. Okay. Try to touch on quickly. Uh, Joshua wrote in on Twitter and said, what's our opinion of the Mazda 3? We don't talk about Mazda Speed 3. We don't talk about it very much. Yeah. If you go back, we did a Mazda Speed 3 versus uh, Focus ST piece a few years back and compared that. And I actually chose the Mazda Speed over the Focus ST, which is also very good. Um, the crazy thing about the Mazda Speed 3 is – that is how, how do I put this? It's almost like that's the Lotus of the hot hatch world, and what I what I mean by that is that's the car that takes a specific owner. The Mazda Speed Three is really good. I'm, I've always been a fan. I like the seats. I like the interior. It's a riot to drive. It is the poster child for front wheel drive torque steer. So you kind of have to to want to wrestle it, and then it is crazy fun to drive. Because it's old enough now, because it's a whole generation back, because it's old enough now and it is kind of that, that niche car that needs the right kind of buyer, mm -hmm. that's why it doesn't sure. come up much. I'm actually a very big fan, but it's hard to match it with a lot of people. Let's, let's be honest. The GTI is easy to match to people, and the Mazda Speed 3 is hard. Hmm. No, I, I can definitely see that. All right. Uh, I think there's one more question from me. Oh, Dammit Patton on Instagram is asking, well, he actually said, hey, the story of Toyota is now officially designating the plurality of Prius to be Prii. More than one Prius is Prii. Yes. Yes, I am happy. Even though mm -hmm. I don't think I coined that. You Maybe was... I first started saying it, but I don't. I don't take I, credit for that. I don't know. But here's the thing that did happen, though. I remember. I, think I heard it. You've somewhere. been saying it a lot, and then Toyota did this whole campaign of we're going to figure out what to call a, a, the plural of Priuses, and they decided on Prii. And I was like, yeah, you've been doing it for like a year. So I don't know where you came up with it. I don't, I don't know either. where you heard it. I don't know that we take credit, but yes, we are aware, and yes, it's what Paul said all along. <laughs> Just because I love them so much, mm -hmm. yeah. as a matter of fact. That's yeah, they, they definitely were polling you. They were def You were definitely the first person they or called trolling to say, me. hey, we're talking about the, the Prius. <laughs> Please help us out. Guys, thank you so much for listening, and we, we sure appreciate it. Uh, what's next on uh, Velocity Channel coming up on Saturday? This weekend is uh, is episode five, okay. which is actually one of the greatest hits, if you will, from last season. This is our alpha uh Quadrifolio versus the BMW M3 competition pack. A really yeah. fun episode from last from last season is coming. After that is our Lemons piece, Lemons Racing piece, and the following one is our California Adventure, which is really cool. So those are all on their way out of the post-production pipeline that is my house. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this <laughs> weekend's going to be a cool one. And thank you to all of you that responded so favorably about our Mustang and Camaro piece that just dropped this past week. Excited to show that one to the larger world. And that info's coming, too. Yep, exactly. And thanks, huge thanks to our television sponsors that are making it all happen 
First of all is Covercraft, then mm-hmm. Griot's Garage and Auto Tempest. And by the way, guys, the code every day can be used for two of our sponsors, for both Covercraft and Griot's. Yep. With Covercraft, that gets you free shipping in the U.S. With Griot's Garage, it gets you 10% off your order. So cool. every day for both yep. of these companies. Yep. Anyway, check them out. They're awesome. Thank you again. Looking forward to next time. Cheers. can't believe it that gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets look here comes a 1.7 percent decrease in fixed overhead hello everybody no i can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with geico who are you the projected increase in organic q3 revenue hooray believe it geico could save you 15 percent or more on car insurance ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. A new smart home at your service, customized for your lifestyle. Set up custom automations unique to your home to automatically do the things like lock the doors or set the thermostat when you leave. Even close your garage door from virtually anywhere. ADT will set up your home with multiple smart home devices and security features like indoor and outdoor cameras, locks, lights, and garage door control, even video doorbells. Visit ADT.com slash podcasts to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.